guys, we're so glad you're tuning into the Apex Students Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from Apex Students, and we pray that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus. Welcome again to Youth Group. This is what I want everyone to do right now. I feel like we've got a lot of school energy in our bodies right now, so let's everyone stand up. Everyone stand up. Everyone stand up. You have to stand up. You have to stand up. So we've got a lot of school energy in our bodies, so just like wiggle it out a little bit. Just do this. Everybody wiggle it out. Deep breath. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. Everyone just take a moment to breathe one more time. We're all feeling better now, right? It's been a long, stressful day at school. Deep breath in. Deep breath out. We're going to talk about some Jesus stuff tonight, so let's get excited. Let's get ready for that. Yeah, Jesus stuff. Let's go. So I've talked about this a lot, and I'm probably going to talk about it a lot again because it's one of my favorite things on the earth, but I deeply love video games. I really do. I deeply love video games. I know a lot of people in the room do. And what's great about a video game, there's some people in the room like, I don't like video games. Well, I would think that you just haven't found the right video game because there is a video game for everyone. There's all kinds. There's puzzles, there's platformers, there's first-person shooters, third-person shooters, there's RPG. Like, there's so many. There's so many video games. There's one out there for you, I promise you, and it'll be fun and you'll enjoy it. You just have to find it. You just have to find it. Video games are great. I'm getting old. So my favorite kind of video game is, has, is changed. I do love multiplayer video games where everyone's yelling and we're competing and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot going on. Um, I love those but I am getting more and more into like the storytelling games where it's like a little bit more chill and it's like interactive and I'm, I'm getting to like tell a story with the game that I'm playing. That's, that's where I'm at because I am getting old and that's how it is. There's a game company called Telltale Games. They make a lot of really fun story-driven games where it's basically just like you, you, you're telling a story. You get to pick. They'll come up to a way and like go left or go right and depending upon what you pick, the outcome will be greatly different. So you go right, you run into some zombies. You go left, you run into a friend. Those are the types of games that I love to play. And that, that game specifically is one that I deeply love. It's one of the Walking Dead games, and it's incredible. Every action that you take in that game has a consequence. Sometimes that consequence is a good consequence, and sometimes that consequence is a bad one. Sometimes you end up getting more health, and you find food, and you find friends. Sometimes you just die. You know, video games are a little extreme. You know what I'm talking about? Video games are a little bit extreme. Um, but you are taking an active role in the story that's unfolding in the game, and I truly love that. It's like one of my favorite things, taking an active role in the story that's unfolding in the game. And guess what, guys? The same thing is happening every single day in your own lives. You are taking an active role in the story that your life is telling. That means every decision that you make, every question that you answer, everything that you do is telling the story of your life, and you are actively writing your own story right now, which is cool, right? Eventually, you look back and you'll see that it was history, and that's so cool. Isn't that cool? Everyone thinks it's cool. That's fine. So <laughs> as we go through each day making choices that impact our life, sometimes it's going to be stupid choices like, what food should I eat today? And sometimes it's going to be big choices like, what do I do with my life? Right? So sometimes you're going to make these big decisions. Sometimes you're going to be making small decisions. But every single decision you make affects your life story and the life story with the people around you. If I'm being completely honest, I am often very confused by the choices that people make around me. I'm feeling like, what is going on? Like, you have made the silliest decision here. Like, did you know that the Minions movie made millions of dollars? That means thousands of people went to go see it. And we have to pray for them. And we have to pray that the spirit, the demonic spirit of the minion is released from their hearts and minds. I, I'm praying that. I pray that every single night. I, will, <laughs> I fully believe that the minions are the Antichrist. Okay, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 
I'm, ki- I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but really, there are a lot of obvious choices, right? There are a lot of obvious choices. I'm going to give you four choices. You have to choose between these things, and there's an obvious answer here. So let's see. What, is, what, what do we got? We've got love or hate. Which one would you pick? Love. Love. Uh, okay. Well, some people just like to be haters. Peace or conflict? Peace. Joy or depression? Joy. Right. Hope or despair? Hope. These are easy answers, right? And most people have presented these things. Most people are going to choose love, peace, joy, and hope, right? When presented these options, they're going to pick love, peace, joy, or hope. And we believe in this room, right? We all believe that God is the ultimate source of love, peace, joy, and hope. And every single day, there are people actively making the decision not to follow God. Why? Because we just said that most people want love, peace, joy, and hope, but they don't want to actively follow God. Why do you think that is? Well, I think there are two reasons that I believe. There are two reasons why people don't choose God. They don't actively follow God. And this is what I believe. I believe that some people don't know that God is good. I believe that some people don't know God is good. And I also believe that there's a group of people that don't think that God is good. There's a group of people that don't know that God is good, and there's a group of people that don't think that God is good. And I believe that someone has let both of those groups down. Um, I believe that I have let both of those groups down. I believe that some of you have let both of those groups down. We have all let people down in this situation where they don't know that God is good or they don't think that God is good. It's our responsibility to impact the stories of those people and to help them make the choice to follow God. So why do people not know that God is good? It's because we haven't told them. That's why they don't know. It's because we haven't told them. They don't know because we didn't tell them. Why do people think that God isn't good? Why, do people know that God, why don't people know that God is good? It's because we didn't tell them. Why do people think that God isn't good? It's because we haven't explained it well enough to them. The God that they think they know isn't the God that we serve because we serve a good God and we know that we serve a good God. But they haven't seen that good God because they, they're, they're thinking of something else. We haven't explained it well enough to them. So throughout history, the story of Jesus has been called the good news. Um, And this is actually what the word gospel means. So when they talk about the four gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what we're talking about is those four guys telling the good news of Jesus through those books that they wrote. And that's what you, so when you're reading those, you're reading about Jesus, you're reading about the good news of Jesus, what he came down to do. So we have this good news. We have the solution to the problem that people are looking for because people want to make the choice for hope, for peace, for love. They just don't know it or they're confused because we didn't explain it well enough. So it is our job to show them that. It is our job to step up and say, hey, God is good all the time, and you should make the choice to follow Jesus. This task can feel overwhelming, and I get it, because it's very scary to talk to people about Jesus. I understand. It is very scary. It is very nerve-wracking, because sometimes it's like, what do I say? What do I do? It's heavy, you know, because you're like, there's a lot riding on this conversation that I'm having. So we're going to break down some things tonight. Tonight, we are going to talk about Alive in Five, which some of you have heard before. So this might be a review for some of you, but we're talking about the gospel tonight, and I don't think you can hear this enough. You can just hear the story of Jesus over and over again, and that's just going to be completely fine. So that's what you're going to talk about tonight. So this is just a gospel model. It's a gospel presentation, which means this is going to teach you how to tell people the story of Jesus. It's going to teach you how to share the message of Jesus, the good news with other people. It's five symbols. You see them up there. And then with those five symbols are five little phrases to help you get through the story 
of Jesus so that when you go talk to a friend about Jesus, you can remember, okay, it goes, you know, the heart, the, the arrows, the cross, the question mark, and the fire so that you can get through it. And you can also, if you want to, get out a napkin and a pen and, you know, write them down a little bit. That's a joke for the old people that no one here is going to understand. So, thank you, Jill. <laughs> so, my goal for tonight is to understand the gospel better. That's what I want for you guys to do, to understand the gospel better and then to share that with someone. That's what we're going to do tonight. So, let's just jump into this. The first symbol, what do we got here? The first symbol is the heart. And the little phrase that goes with the heart is, God is love. Now, if you've been paying attention here at Apex at all, you've heard this before. We say God is love. We say God loves you all the time. Um, But we're not just like just saying that. This is something that we believe in. It's something that's said in the Bible. So John, who got to hang out with Jesus a lot, says this in his book, um, 1 John 4.16. He says, we know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in his love. God is love. It says it right there. God is love. And all who live in love live in God, and God lives in them. Pretty straightforward, right? God is love. We get that from this verse because it literally says God is love. Well, thousands of years before John wrote that, another cool guy, some, uh, some might say the coolest guy because his name was King David, uh, wrote this. He wrote, but you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And that is Psalms 86.15. This is what people understood about God thousands and thousands of years ago, and this is what we understand about God today. We've seen it over and over again through history. We've seen it in our own lives that God is love and that he loves us very much. We can read it in the scriptures, and we can see it in our own lives. And we can see a bunch of ways that God has shown us love. Here's just a couple. So first, for starters, he created us in his own image, Imago Dei, right? We are made in the image of God. God didn't have to create us with a soul, He didn't have to create us with the ability to enjoy his goodness, enjoy his love, and then show it back to him. He didn't have to create us that way, but he chose to because he loves us. He wanted us to experience his goodness in a way that other people, other other animals can't. So he made us in his image. Now, one of the biggest ways, which I'm sure you guys know, one of the biggest ways God showed us his love is through Jesus coming down to his creation and dying on the cross for our sins. This is uh, John 3.16. I'm sure you all know this verse. It says this. This is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is John 3.16. And it says it right there in the verse. This is how God loved the world. He loves us, and he gave us the opportunity to spend eternity with him. That is one, another way that he showed us that he loves us. That he said, hey, I want to spend eternity with you guys. I love you guys so much, I want to spend forever with you. Which is sometimes overwhelming, but I promise it's going to be cool. Um, <laughs> I promise it's going to be cool. Not only do, does he want us to spend eternity with him in heaven, like we don't have to sit around waiting for God to show us his love. right? We don't have to sit around waiting to die to be like, now God really loves us. No. He promised us more than that. He promises us an abundant life here on earth. It says this in John 10, 10. Um, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So God shows us that he loves us. God shows us that he is love by not only setting us up for the future for things to be good, but he wants things to be good for us here and now. That's how much he loves us. That's how much he wants the best for us. And he wants the best for us because he loves us, and he loves us perfectly because he himself is love. God is love. So the second symbol that we're going to jump into, the second part of our story of of Jesus, the good news, is the diverging road. And the phrase is, our sin divides us from God. Isaiah says this in Isaiah 59.2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Your iniquities, that just means sin. 
Your sins have separated you from God. So we can see here that it means that like, when we sin, it's separation from God. It's division from God. It's dividing from God. Um, we can see it all throughout the, the history of the Bible. That sin separates from God. Let's quickly tackle the word sin because I feel like there's probably some confusion and some baggage and language problems when it comes with sin. So what sin? Sin is not just like disobeying God, right? That's not, that's not only what sin is. Sin is like, oh, I didn't follow God's rules exactly or you know, messing up your life because you didn't listen to your parents. That's not what sin is. Sin is missing the mark. Um, it's going off the plan that God has for your life. So the Bible wasn't originally written in English. I know, crazy, I know. It was not originally written in English. So there are words that we've translated to sin, and these are the words. They are hata and hamartia. I can never say these words. Um, Did I lose all the color? Oh, no, he didn't, just on the fact there. Okay, sorry, I got distracted very easily. I haven't had too much coffee today. So if I was a Greek or Hebrew-speaking person and I saw those words, I wouldn't think like, oh, no, I'm I'm not obeying God, or, oh, no, I didn't follow my parents' rules exactly. I would think archery. That's what I would think when I saw those words. The words that we translate to sin, people would see them and think archery, missing the bullseye. God's plan for your life is that bullseye. He said, hey, I have a plan for your life, and that's the bullseye. And every single time we miss, either by accident or sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes we think, like, that bullseye's stupid. Like, it's a dumb spot, so I'm going to maybe go over here a little bit because we think, sometimes we think we know better than God, so we're like, I'm going to go over here because that's a better spot for the bullseye, and then we miss again. But every single time we miss that plan, that bullseye for God, that God has for our lives, that is sin. That is hata. That is hamartia. Missing the mark, missing the bullseye. Now, it says in the Bible that God hates sin, and part of the reason that God hates sin is because it hurts us. Um, he's not just up there like, I'm hating sin because you're not following my rules. No, that's not how he is. He's up, he hates it because he doesn't want us to be hurt. And he knows that when we sin, when we miss the plan that he has for us, it hurts us. Um, Romans uh, 6.23 says this, for the wages of sin is death. That's pretty brutal. So sin hurts us, and this is why God wants us to stay as far away from it as possible. So now we have this problem, right? God is love, but our sin divides us from God. It it removes us from his love. It removes us from a relationship with him. And God wasn't a big fan of that situation. He was like, I I don't like that. And I was like, okay, that's good. Thank you. Because uh, I don't like it that much either. But um, so God is love and he loves us so much that being divided from him was a huge problem. So God had to do something about it. And this is when things really start to get good. So the third symbol is this, the cross. And Jesus paid, and it says, Jesus paid the price for our sins and came back to life. God saw the problem that we are separated from him and he didn't like it, so he sent his son down from heaven to his creation to be with us in the form of a man and still in the form of God to die on the cross for our sins and then come back to life again. That's what he decided to do because he's like, I cannot handle this division. I can't handle this separation because I love you so much that I want to be in a relationship with you. I want to talk to you. I want to be with you. And we're going to hit that famous verse again, John 3, 16. We'll be here a couple of times, so get ready. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus came to fix the problem that sin caused. And what's really cool about this is that Jesus was the plan from the beginning. This wasn't something that God just like thought up like, oh, I have a great idea, like out of the blue. No, from the beginning, Jesus was the plan to save us from what we've done to ourselves. So the Bible starts in the book of Genesis, way back at the beginning of everything. So, and it tells the tale of creation and then the first time that man sinned and the first time that we were divided from God. And then if you look closely at the rest of the Bible, uh, you can see that it's actually just the story 
God pointing to his plan for Jesus to come down and to save us from our sins. It's very cool. You can uh, see it over and over and over again. But right in Genesis, right after Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden and separated from God, God says this in Genesis 5, or sorry, 3.15. It says this, And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So this is God, right in the very beginning, right after the fall, like right after we messed everything up, he's saying, he's putting a plan into place here. He's saying, hey, don't worry, guys. Eventually, we are going to get this back on the right track. Eventually, we are going to be reunited with, with each other. So this, the snake, so who's talking here? So I will cause hostility between you and the woman. What's, I is God. You and the woman, you is the snake, the Satan, and the woman is Eve. That's what he's talking about here. Um, so the offspring of Eve is eventually Jesus. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, your offspring, Jesus. And he said that the snake is going to strike, or that, that Jesus will strike the snake's head, but then Satan's going to strike his heel. And what does, that, what does that mean? Well, we believe that Jesus died on that cross. You know, some people think maybe he didn't die, but we believe that Jesus died on the cross. So that was Satan thinking, I got him. I got him on the heel right there. But he didn't realize that through Jesus' death on the cross, that life would be given to us. And that when Jesus came back, that he would stomp on the snake's head. And then Satan has no power, right? Death has no power over us because of what Jesus did. And that's what this is pointing to in Genesis chapter three, right at the very beginning. So Jesus was the plan from the beginning. Fun little fact for you. Um, a little nerdy fact, we're gonna throw it out there. Proto-evangelium. That's what this verse is called, um, which means first, and uh, it also means good, good news. Uh, I know no one cares, but that is one of my favorite words ever, so I like to throw it around <laughs> when I can. So like I said, Jesus was the plan from the beginning. So this phrase that starts, it starts like this. Our, our third phrase here starts, Jesus paid the price for our sins. I feel like we've heard that over and over again, but let's explain it a little, this, a little bit. What does that exactly mean? Well, before you know, Jesus came, we had this old system of dealing with our sin. God had put it in place. It was like a temporary fix, like a Band-Aid on a gushing wound. <laughs> That's what was going on there. And so what would happen is that back in the day, God's people would bring ox or sheep or goats or birds or pretty much any animal that you can imagine. It, they're all in the law. So like, bring this animal, um, and they would bring it to the temple, and they would sacrifice it, and that sacrifice would then pay for the sin, for missing the mark is what, what would happen there. And so this would happen just over and over and over again for your whole life because it was a temporary fix. It wasn't something that was perfect. But then Jesus came and Jesus lived a perfect life here on earth and became the perfect sacrifice. So we don't have to keep sacrificing. We don't have to keep paying over and over again because Jesus did it once for all time for everyone. And then what he did, he set up a new system that gives us access to the grace of God. We get to access grace because of what Jesus did on the cross. And not just that. So Jesus died on the cross, and that is what gives us access to grace. That's what gives us access to salvation. That paid the price for our sins. But then after that, he did a little bonus, a little bonus move there. Three days after he died, he raised from the dead. And that shows us that not only did he conquer death when he, when he said, hey, I'm paying for these. He came back, he conquered death. And he said, there's more to this thing than just salvation. There's more than just getting into heaven. We have, a, a, we have things to do. We have a mission. We have a goal. We have a purpose beyond just sitting around waiting to get into heaven. That's what Jesus said when he came back to life. We are called to more. So the fourth symbol is the question mark. And this is the phrase, we have to decide to put our faith in God. 
We have to decide to put our faith in God. So if you're following and you're, you're, you're walking your friend through this, right? You're, you're gonna go through these in order. One, two, three, four. So you're gonna start at the beginning and this is the fourth and then we have to decide to put our faith in God. You're explaining this to them. This one is a big deal. Um, this choice is the biggest choice that anyone can make. It's the choice in the video game that's like the big one where it's like, is the story gonna end in a good way or is the story gonna end in a bad way? Like this is the choice that we're all making here, right? Um, it's, it's a difficult decision and there's a lot riding on this decision because we believe that this decision that people make is the difference between eternal life with God or eternal separation from God. We believe that this decision is eternal life or eternal death. That's what's riding on this decision. It's a big decision that everyone has to make. And here we go again. John 3.16 says this, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his, only, his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. All you have to do is decide to put your faith in God. It's that simple. You just have to believe in him, put your faith in Jesus, and you will have eternal life. You'll be with him forever. You won't have to worry what comes next because it will be good and it will be with God and it will be with Jesus. So let's talk about faith real quick. There is a definition of faith in the Bible because if you're putting your faith in Jesus, what does that even what does that even mean? Well, Hebrews 11.1 1 says this. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. There's a definition for faith right there. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. We're going to go into this, and I know you know what's coming. We're going to talk about the wind. I know. You see, I saw it coming from a mile away. We're going to talk about the wind real quick here. So this is like having faith in something you can't see. What does that even mean? Well, think about the wind and think about the trees, okay? So when the wind blows through the trees, you can see that the leaves are blowing. You can smell the dog poo that's at the bottom of the tree, and the wind is bringing it to you, right? That is, it, it happens, you know? The wind blows, and especially coming from hillside, you can smell it. And I'm like, oh, there's the wind blowing over um, from hillside, because it's, it's always bad. You can't actually see the wind but you can have confidence that's there because it's, it's doing something. You can see it happening. You can smell it happening. You can, your senses tell you that it's happening. Now, you can't see God, but you can see what he's doing in your life, and you can see what he's doing in the Jesus followers' lives around you. You can have confidence in him. You can have hope in him. You can have belief in what you do not see. Another thing about faith is that faith is a choice. Um, God doesn't force us to believe. God doesn't force, force us into faith. He doesn't force us into loving him. He gives us a choice because he didn't make us to be robots. <laughs> That's another part of the Imago Dei. That's another part of being made in God's image is that we have a choice. He gives us, he gives us free will. Um, I heard it said before that like, um, God is a gentleman, that he's not going to force himself on you. He's going to ask for consent because that is real love. That's what real love looks like. It's when he asks for consent. That is, that is a big thing about faith is that it's a choice. So one last thing about faith is that faith gives us access to grace. Um, this means that our faith doesn't save us. Very important. Your faith doesn't save you. Your faith gives you access to the grace of God, which is the only thing that can save you. It's the grace of God that saves you, not your own faith, not your own works, not anything that you can do. God's grace alone. Here's what it says in Ephesians. This is my favorite chapter of the Bible, by the way. You guys should read it. It's lit. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You have been saved through faith, by grace. That's what's going on there. So your faith doesn't save you. God's grace saves you, but you gain access to that faith by grace. 
we have to decide to put our faith in Jesus. Your faith is important, but God's grace is more important because it is the only thing that can actually save you. So that is how we are saved, how your family will be saved, how your friends will be saved, is by deciding to put your faith in God. So the fifth symbol here is the flame. So this one gets really fun. I like the flame part. So um, this one is a little bit different than other ones because this one is specifically made by the AG. And we are a Pentecostal church. So we believe in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So a lot of other gospel models won't, won't go this far, but we're going we're gonna to get into it tonight. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and what he does for us. So the Holy Spirit will help us live for God. Okay? The Holy Spirit's going to help us live for God. Everyone in this room has been faced with huge questions and huge life-changing decisions. And unlike in video games, a lot of the times those life-changing decisions have a lasting consequence. You can't just go back to the save file and just try again. A lot of times are, there are consequences to the decisions that we make, and they, are, they last for a long time. Um, and sometimes it's too much to handle, right? Sometimes these, these decisions you have to make, these questions you have to answer, they all become overwhelming. Like even if it's about friendships, relationships, job stuff, school stuff, whether or not to burn your copy of Cars, like it's all a lot. Yeah, exactly. Sam loves Cars and I hate that movie. Um, <laughs> we are all faced with questions and hard decisions that we make throughout our lives, right? All the time. Things are crazy and often too much, but part of being a Jesus follower is that we have a person we can turn to for help with whatever we are facing. We have a source of wisdom and strength that we can turn to whenever we need, and we call him the Holy Spirit. A few things about the Holy Spirit. As Pastor Chris will always say, not spooky, okay? The Holy Spirit, not spooky. A lot of people, you've probably heard it said like, Holy Ghost, no. I mean, that's fine. You can say the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, same, same situation. But the Holy Spirit isn't some spooky ghost that watches you in your sleep. I promise. Um, he's just not just like hovering over you like this, like looking at you in your sleep. Um, he, he's a person and he's someone that you can interact with and he cares about you a lot. Not spooky. Holy Spirit is not spooky. So uh, back in the day in that old system that we talked about before, the Holy Spirit kind of just hung out in the temple. Like when we were, everybody's bringing those sacrifices and bringing all the ox, um, which... I'm surprised we have any. Like the amount of oxen just slaughtered in the Old Testament. I am surprised they're still around, if I'm being honest. Um, but back in that day, the Holy Spirit only really lived in the temple. And only a few of the holiest people were ever allowed to go in and see him and interact with him. But when Jesus came and he put the new system in place, he made something else happen. He made he, things changed. So when you decide to put your faith in God, you gain access to God's grace. But you are also at that time inviting the Holy Spirit to come be a part of your life. And that is how we have the abundant life that we talked about before. Because he helps us make, he helps us make decisions and gives us wisdom and guidance throughout our day, throughout our lives, every single second when we need him. When Jesus was here on earth, he talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. Um, and what he was coming to do. So Jesus says this in the book of John, um, chapter 14, verses 26. He says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. The Holy Spirit is your advocate, which means he's like, he's like your coach. When you're on a team, He's your coach. He's helping. He's pointing out places where you can do a little bit better, but he's also encouraging you in the places that you're already doing great. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That word can also mean comforter. I've seen many people make it through situations that should have crushed them. I've seen them go through things that should have just left them broken on the ground, but they had Jesus and the Holy Spirit in their life, and the Holy Spirit comforted them through it, and they made it through. 
I've been, I felt abandoned, I felt lost before, but then the Holy Spirit was there with me, comforting me. It says in Psalms that he bottles our tears. He knows that we're hurt. He knows when we are in pain and he wants to be there for us. He wants to comfort us because he loves us. That is part of what the Holy Spirit does. He's our advocate. He is our comforter. It also says here that the Holy Spirit is going to remind us of the things that Jesus said and then help apply those to our lives. So when you're reading the Bible and you're, you're reading a verse and you're like, I think I'm getting, I understand what this means. I kind of see past the, the first part of the text. That's the Holy Spirit helping you see what Jesus is saying to you through the scripture. That's the Holy Spirit whispering in your ear. And the more you listen to that whisper, the louder it's going to get. The more you listen, the more you pay attention to the Holy Spirit, the louder that his voice will be in your life. And then the easier it will be to make the decisions that keep you on God's plan, that keep your life abundant and rich and satisfying. The more you listen to the Holy Spirit, the better it will be. Because he's going to teach you and remind you what you need to know. So after Jesus was raised from the dead, he hung around a little bit. He like was around with people. He was hanging out, um, saw a bunch of people, did a bunch of stuff. A lot of fish were involved. Um, he was just chilling, you know? There was, a lot, there was a lot going on. But right before he left, he went back up into heaven. He was ascending into heaven because he said, I'm going to go up and then the Holy Spirit is going to come down and he's going to do a lot of cool things. Right before he did that, he says this in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So we can see here that what does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit is going to give you power to witness to the people around you. The Holy Spirit is going to give you power and boldness to share Jesus' message all over the world. Now, this isn't something that we just hope, right? It's not like, oh, I, we think that's going to happen. No, there's more evidence of it in the Bible. So the book of Acts tells the story of the Jesus followers after Jesus leaves, right? So the early church, the beginning of all of what we're doing here, that's what the book of Acts teaches us about and tells us about. So... All these Jesus followers see Jesus go back up in the clouds and they're looking around at each other like, what, what are we going to do now? Because they watched, I mean, Jesus came back to life, but before that, they watched him be brutally murdered and a lot of people don't have, like, like what they're going to say, right? They don't like Jesus. They don't like the Jesus followers. So they're scared. And I think kind of rightfully so, right? They, they were worried about getting persecuted. They were worried. So they were hiding in a room, cowering in a room together. And this is what it says in Acts 4.31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and he changed them. These people went from hiding in a room to boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus, even if it meant death. And for many of them, it did mean death. I believe it's 11 out of the 12 disciples end up dying for Jesus. And then the 12th one was just left on an island. So like he kind of died for Jesus, I think. I don't really know where he ends up, but he's left on an island. He probably survived for a little bit, but yeah, that's what's going on. Now, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit got a hold of them. They started going out and pro like proclaiming boldly the message of God. And it's going to happen to you when you let the Holy Spirit into your life. Not necessarily the death part. I feel like we're not there anymore. But you will be able to proclaim boldly when you let the Holy Spirit come into your heart and into your mind. He's going to help you proclaim his message boldly. Now, right now, if you are in this room and you aren't a Jesus follower and you want the abundant life with God, um, now is the perfect time to make that decision to follow Jesus. We kind of went through it all. Um, if you want that abundant life that Jesus has to offer, I, I, right now is the perfect time to say, Jesus, I've decided to put my life in your hands. I've decided to put my faith in you. And if you decide to do that tonight, let somebody know. Let one of the adults know because they're going to pray with you and they're going to help you move along in this journey with Jesus, right? Because it starts at salvation, but then there's so much more. Like Jesus came back from, to life from the dead to show us that there's so much more because there is so much more after salvation. 
Now to all the Jesus followers in the room, which I feel like is most of us in this room right now, um, as we head into the new school year, let's let the Holy Spirit embolden us to tell people about this good news that we have. Because it's one of the most important things that you can tell anyone. The gospel is not supposed to end with you. Alive in five isn't supposed to end with you. You're supposed to share it with other people. So we went over this good news. We went over how easy, how easy it is to remember, right? We can do this. There's just five little, five little phrases. We can memorize those. We can talk about these. We can talk about this story of Jesus. Um, but it's still kind of tough, right? The idea is like, yeah, I can do that. But then it gets to like standing in front of someone. You're like, uh, it gets scary. I understand completely. It's very scary. So let's dive into three practical ways to like help you get this conversation started. Okay, so number one is help. Number one is help. There we go. So number one is help. So what does this mean? Help people. Meet their physical needs. Help them with a project. Maybe help them with their homework. Sit with them at lunch. Maybe drive them if you can drive a car. Um, Be kind. Be good people. Be good friends. Just help people. Because when you help meet the physical needs of people, it'll give you access to help to helping them with their spiritual needs. They'll, they'll be more willing to listen to you once you've met their physical needs, once you've been a good friend to them. That is, so start with help. And the next one we're going to go to is ask. So help people and it will give you the opportunity to ask. Ask the people what they believe about God. Start a conversation. Don't just it, it, you can have a, like a little bit of a monologue prepared. You know, we've talked about these five things, but just don't go in like, boom, with a monologue. Ask them some questions about God. Ask them how they feel about spirituality, what they feel about God, because a lot of people are coming into this with baggage about Jesus and baggage about the church. So let them vent a little bit. Listen to what they have to say. Have a conversation with this person. And when you let them start talking about their spiritual life and what they think about the Bible and what they think about Jesus, it will then give you an opportunity to invite Tell them the story of Jesus now and invite them into that story. Tell them how Jesus has helped you and been there to encourage you and how a life with Jesus is better because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And invite them right into that. So help, ask, invite. It's a great way to start talking to people about Jesus. Um, Along with Alive in Five, we can do both of those. Here's a scary little fact for you. The average person needs to hear the story of Jesus 7.6 times before they will accept it. Um, which means most of the time when you tell someone about Jesus, it's probably not going to end with them saying, I want to follow Jesus right away. It's probably not going to go that way. So what we have to be okay with and what we have to start working through is being okay with rejection. And I, I'm preaching to the choir here because I need help with rejection just as much as everyone else in this room does. I hate it. But we have to be able to embrace it because the stakes are too high to not embrace the awkward, to not embrace rejection. This time, when you speak to them about Jesus, it might not be you. It might be the next person or the person after that. But every single time you talk to them about Jesus, it's planting a seed in their heart that eventually will grow and become their walk with Jesus. So keep doing it. Embrace it because the stakes are too high. We talked about it before. It's eternal life or eternal death. It's the most important decision people make. There are groups of people that we have let down because we haven't explained Jesus well enough to them. There are groups of people that don't know that God is good because we never told them. And it's our job as Jesus followers to do that because that's what Jesus asks us to do. You were once God's mission. When he came down and he died on the cross, he was thinking about you and this changed your life and it reunited him with you. And now things are different because before you were his mission, but now you guys are his missionaries. So go out 
and tell people about Jesus. Go out and tell them the story that's happened in your heart and your life. Tell them the story of Jesus because it's the most important story that we can tell. Better than any video game, better than any book. It's the most important thing that we can tell people. So I hope after tonight that you understand the gospel a little better. But more importantly, I hope you understand that we have to share this gospel. Because again, the stakes are too high not to. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to pray that during the week this week, that God is going to place people in your heart and in your mind that you are going to be able to share the gospel with. I am also going to pray that he just puts people in your path. You're out at the store, and somehow someone walks into you, and you're going to have the opportunity to share Jesus. That's what I'm going to pray for tonight. And I think he's going to do it. I believe he's going to do it. So get ready, because God is going to put people in your way, in your path that you get to share the message of Jesus with. You just have to be on the lookout for it. Okay, dear God, I thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. I thank you that you have saved us and that you've saved us from eternal death and given us eternal life. I thank you that you love us so much that you created us in your image with the ability to love and to love you back. I pray that right now you give us people's names in our, in our heads. Give us people's names in our hearts that we should reach out to and tell the good news to. I pray that right now as we are out about in our day, either in school or at the store, maybe at the gas station, wherever we are, that you put people in our path that we can have the opportunity to tell the story of Jesus to, the good news of Jesus to, because we want to share the hope that you have. We want to share the love, the hope, the peace, and the joy that comes with following you. Help us to do that. Holy Spirit, be in our lives. Come fill us up more and more every single day because we're leaky. And every single day we leak a little bit out. So fill us every single day so that we can have the power and the boldness to go out and to preach your good news to people that need to hear it. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this Apex Student Podcast. You can listen to more Apex teachings by subscribing on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. We pray that this message has impacted your life and that you don't walk away without looking a little bit more like Jesus.